Jay right in your face. Welcome back to the Fadeaway Podcast. It's your host, Fatty, and alongside me today, we haven't done that in a while. Wow, it's been a very long time. We haven't done that intro in a while, but alongside me today, I don't really have a name because I didn't think about it. I got a good one. Um, oh, what is it? Actually, it's not that great, but Zaire Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> alongside me today, Michael Jorze. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Good man, now we've gone to episode five of the Last Dance documentary. Episode five, episode twenty six total. Episode twenty six total. Who's twenty six? Kyle Corver. You were ready for Spencer that one. Dinwiddie. Spence twenty six. He switched, he his, switched number. his number, eh? I googled it. That's an ugly number. I don't like that. Number. <laughs> I had to Google it. Because who wears number twenty six in general? It's uh, that's not somebody a good either born on the twenty sixth or chosen twenty sixth in the in the draft. Yeah, it's pretty My lame. Take. I'm not gonna lie, it's not a good number. But yeah, episode five, a lot of things happened. Episode five, in my Cinco. opinion, a bun, a bu- oh, happy Cinco de Mayo. Oh, oh wow, that nice. even signs. <laughs> Stop! Don't do that again. Carlos, <laughs> don't do it again. <laughs> PK is a fan of that joke. Um, hap- yeah, Cinco de Mayo and Taco five. Tuesday, <laughs> bro. Today, yeah, today on the same day. <laughs> LeBron is having a field day today, so we know. Um, but back to episode five, a lot of things happen in episode five. Um, be, they go back and forth between 98 and then, and, and, and they go back into a few years and a Do few different like points. you feel like they're doing that a bit too much? The going back and forth? So what I was, I was questioning, I'm like, he doesn't change. Like he looks the same. So it's, it gets Mac confusing. Uh, <laughs> my question is, they said they had camera crew for the whole 98 season, mm-hmm. not his whole career. Cause there's tapes from every single from season. Yeah. So yeah. I was like, so but I guess there's more behind-the-scenes tape in 98. But that's what we want to see, though, no? Like, well, yeah, we're seeing it. Like him gambling with the security guys. I guess, I guess so. Episode but episode six. But yeah, but I thought we would see like more from that 98. It, it wasn't so much more. I thought it would be just the it's last year. Us. It's like, hey, while no. you're here. I mean, I enjoy it, though. Yeah, I'll take I it. I'll take it. I'll take it's it. actually been sick, but I thought it was really like. talk about one of Jordan's years. That's about yeah. I mean, they should just make a documentary on the whole career then, not, and just him. Last dance, I thought it was gonna be like you know the team. They had Scotty in there a bit. They had Phil in there a bit. They had Dennis. Uh, Dennis. Now it's just Jordan in the team, especially cameos episode five. Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr cameos. Paxi gets a bunch of cameos. Horace Grant gets a bunch of cameos. So Pax is also PK's favorite player. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. He fiends. He fiends. Yeah, shooter. Kush. <laughs> so yeah, let's uh, let's get the show on the road, buddy. Um, so the first, first thing, first and loving memory of Mr. Kobe Bryant. Yeah, man. So that was sort of how the episode started with uh, a little bit of the Kobe intro. So like I was saying last episode, it's weird to realize how much they actually overlapped. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. They actually played in all-star games together. So Kobe was not just a young player. He was an all-star. The thing is about that all-star selection, he was coming off the bench at that all-star, as that all-star selection at that time. So that I think more, and he's talked about it in later years. He came out. He actually had the second highest scoring total in that in that All Star game. He had eighteen points. MJ had twenty three. Obviously, yeah, he had twenty three. Um, and he, then he won the All Star game MVP. But Kobe wanted to come out and prove that he wasn't just like a, a throw in pick. Mm-hmm. The reason why they threw him in there is because they wanted the Kobe MJ matchup and like really? the pass. Yeah, that was the narrative. That's why the narrative was like that at that time as well. So he wasn't a star yet. He, like he said, in, I think he said in the documentary, he's like, I was just a kid who shot air, air balls. 
and that was at the end of his first year, right? So he wasn't a star. He wasn't. I don't even think he was averaging double digits that year before. That was his, his rookie yeah, season. Yeah, he so wasn't. He was more of a. I I think he was more of a throw-in. Obviously, now in hindsight, you know who he, what he's become, and you know he deserved probably that spot. But at that time, he wasn't a star yet. So it was very interesting to see him go against MJ. And you know he didn't do a bad job. He had 18 points. Like, what are you gonna complain about? Yeah, and he was 19. He was 19 years old, and you love and he, everything he said about that Michael. Like before Michael's speech at Kobe's funeral, we wouldn't have known, I guess, how close they actually really were. And Kobe says, like, you know, like there is no titles without MJ. There's no me without yeah, MJ. Goes, people, people always look at me and say, yeah, you could dust him in a one-on-one, but it's like, nah, I, don't. I am him. Yeah. Like, I, everything I got is from him. So. It's it's cool to see that respect coming from like a guy like Kobe who doesn't not necessarily he dis- disrespects but he doesn't really publicly show that respect to other players and yeah and, you know in competition mm-hmm. uh, but then you hear him talking about Jordan it's just a whole different story but um but yeah he uh, obviously attributes the five rings yeah there's videos plenty of videos on YouTube you can go find them yourself of you know, side by side, Kobe and Jordan, the same move coming down to it's the crazy. footwork, yeah, the celebration, the <laughs> fist pump, the way yeah. he answers questions in the post game. A lot of times, if I'm not even like fully looking at the screen, but I'm hearing the documentary and it's old Jordan giving an interview, it kind of sounds like Kobe. It's the same way they to answer a very the question. Similar voice to answer questions. The yeah. Same demeanor. Yeah. Uh, even the way he like I was looking at like when he was visiting hospitals and. Something as little as posing there, and how many times have we seen Kobe stand there with both his hands behind his back? Yeah, and that's yeah. The, I was looking, seeing a lot of Jordan. I'm like, man, down to the way he even stands. He's just missing like, the Jordan, the Jordan jeans. It's an obsession. <laughs> oh yeah, it had to be. It, that is a crazy obsession, and mm-hmm. to get it and to obviously translate that into five rings. Not bad. It's incredible. Not bad, but that that that, that that's the biggest takeaway for me. It was just how much a guy like Kobe respected MJ and literally like emulated. Almost like step by step, what Jordan did, and everyone says he's the closest thing that they've seen to Jordan and whatever. And it's it's it's, it's true. And you see in yeah. like those those tapes that you're talking about where they go side by side and they flip the jerseys, and it's Kobe MJ, and it looks exactly the same. So yeah. it was cool to see Kobe like talk yeah. about him like that. And the, I think MJ had won the All Star MVP. Yes. So they were saying like for somebody who was about to retire, like he's still still, still MVP among the best players in the league. When have we ever seen that in the NBA? Never. Like uh, since then, I guess. You see that more in like football. Like a Gronkowski will I guess so. leave the game just because of the dangerous. nature of the game yeah. itself, right? But basketball, you don't usually see that. That was the difference between MJ and a lot of stars. He, and he even, even said Kobe. it. He even said it. He's even, I think he even says it in episode six. He says, a lot of guys, they don't know when to leave. They end up staying. Like Ewing wants to be carried off the court. Um, too much pride for that. Right. He has too much pride. He's like, I want to be two years away from declining. So yeah. I know my time. To, and then he... He essentially got out at the right time. Really, he was on top still, but then he obviously he comes back later on in in the two thousands. But moving on, um, after that All Star game, they take you back essentially to Michael Jordan's rookie season in nineteen eighty four, and they his agent has a cameo. I think his name is Dave David, I believe it was. Can't remember. David, yes, David is his name, and he talks about getting Michael Jordan his shoe deal, and the way the story came about is like almost unbelievable. It's one of those things that's like those just like those magical stories that kind of happen. And now you look in hindsight, you're like, holy crap. Well, yeah. Imagine if that didn't happen. So there's actually a, uh, a podcast called Sports Wars. Mm-hmm. Oh, and they, yeah. they do a Nike versus Adidas thing. And uh, this is like 
the Jordan signing, huge, not just huge for him, but also like catapulted the brand of Nike. Because if you look at the brand, they said in in the eighties it was a startup, just a track, boy. just tracking, just did track running shoes, and yeah. it had had no high profile athletes to to endorse them. Like you know, Converse had was the powerhouse. It had the Larrys, yeah. Magics, Isaiah Thomases, all the all the like the eighties powerhouses were Converse. Adidas wasn't down. My brother actually told me, Ryan told me that Adidas didn't want him because he was too short. German company, tall people, they wanted tall guys. 6'6", especially 6'6", back then, you know, people said you're too short to play or you're too short to be a star in the NBA. All the stars are seven footers, right? Kareem, um, Bill Russell, Wilt, they're all seven footers. Nike comes in, MD doesn't even want to go to the campus, right? Mom forces him. Dad says, this is the best deal. Let's take it. Yeah, but the so from the podcast it wasn't really outlined in the in the documentary, but in the podcast they actually talked about his uh, decision and what. So what it ended up coming down to is Nike gave him full control. Yes, and he wanted control. He wanted full autonomy to make his own designs, make his own shoes, however he wanted. Technology he had a say in and everything, and mm-hmm. no other company gave him that except for Nike. Nike pretty much said, "Take Here's everything, our company. <laughs> take us with you." And that's what he did. And yeah, no, that's exactly what he did. He catapulted their company, and obviously now everyone wants to be with Nike because everyone wants to be like Mike. Nike or Jordan brand even. He's He got his own brand out of it. Yeah. He makes, now, according to Forbes, he makes $100 million a year off Nike royalties. They wanted, they wanted th- what, four, uh, $3 million in sales after year four. Yeah. He got him 126 in the first in year. year, one. In year, which is wild, like, smashes it. Yeah. He owns essentially his Mind own. Mind you, he's making. He made two hundred fifty thousand. Two hundred fifty thousand, but the checks From got the bigger after. Twenty six million yeah. in the first year. So, and and that two hundred fifty thousand wasn't like it wasn't like you know it was outrageous. Low, it was outrageous at a time. The guy says like you're gonna give this guy two hundred fifty. Everybody else gets a hundred. He's a young kid, and he's, he hasn't done anything in the NBA yet. Like what are you doing? And then pulls up that, 126 Well, that's the guy from Nike. He was saying, he's like, people were saying that about us. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that was the perception that they had in the media. Like, you guys are crazy. Like, you're investing in this kid who's done nothing. Like, what are you thinking? And, man, like, what what that did for the brand of Nike and the Bro, company of Nike? Right now, Nike has, of the basketball market, they've got 86% of the market share. Nike and Jordan together, 86% of the, of the, Nike, of the market share. And as a lifestyle category, they've got 96% of the market share. And that's the difference between MJ and like even a guy like Kobe, even a guy like LeBron, who are our Nike athletes. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this today. Like MJ's shoes just became fashion, right? Like they became like a lifestyle thing. Like you've got, I don't know how. Like what's your collection? Like eleven Jordans at least. 12? Yeah, yeah. You've got a bunch, yeah, yeah. and you don't wear them to play ball in. No, never. Yeah, I only wear mine to play basketball. Like you can wear some of them. Some of them you can. More I the later ones, not the elevens, the tens. I, I don't like the tens to like, be honest. I don't think you can ball in the ones, twos, fours, fives. Sixes are sixes tough. Are Sevens tough. are tough. Eights, eights are boots. Yeah. Bro. Nines are boots. Nines are like you, maybe, but tens. tens I thought they were good. I didn't like them that much. Tens, honest. elevens, elevens twelves nice. you can ball in. But they became thirteens. You could definitely ball in. Yeah, the later years they became a lot more basketball and he says like we'll, i guess we'll get into it later on but when he wears those ones back in msg he's like the technology has changed yeah his from, from that time. right so but that's the biggest thing and, you, and it the documentary talks a lot about it about how 
he became and his shoes became like a culture, culture. thing and they mixed with urban culture and hip hop and Spike Lee was in there so that which really got him within you know the urban culture and it just became like you had to get a pair of Jordans mm-hmm. right and you had to wear them out you had and it's insane for like even for me to think like to wear basketball shoes out on the streets as like a like this is my fashion this is my swag like that's just something that doesn't happen you don't really wear Kobe's with your jeans you don't wear Le- you don't wear LeBron shoes with yeah. your jeans, right? No, you, don't. you don't wear PGs with your jeans, your Kyrie's with your jeans, but you wear Jordans with your jeans, and that's what was different. Like, and those OG colorways that he had, bro, like they're so nice, man. Yeah, they're so the bl- nice. it was well. Also, it's all because of the Bulls, Bread, black and red. His white and red is is yeah. it's always white and red, black and red, white, black and red. Like it's always yeah. that base and. Cause I got it's got to match the jersey and the fire colorway. Yeah, he's got he lucky made, with that. He made Chicago so cool. Like the logo so cool. Like the jersey. Yeah, nice. everything about like it was just vintage. Yeah. Oh, that's retro, that's really man. what he is. He's just vintage. And a lot of people don't. I don't know if people don't don't know this or they do know this, but there was this whole thing about Nike paying off the fines early on in the early years where they originally designed the shoe to be black and red, the ones. Mm-hmm. And in the NBA, black shoes weren't allowed. It was you had to have white on the shoes, and he goes on an interview with a uh, with one of those like David Letterman kind of guys back in that day, and then they're like, "Why don't you like why why does Nike keep getting fined? And why do they keep paying the fine?" He's like, "It's a black shoe, black and red shoe." And MJ like laughs. He's like, "There's not enough white in it." <laughs> to the white guy, and everyone starts dying. And then <laughs> the, the 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 host goes, "Well, the NBA doesn't have enough white in it either." And then they all start dying of laughter. But like, but but like, man, like. When you pull 126 million dollars in in sales in your first year, Nike did the absolute right thing by keep on by paying those fines and paying the fines to the league. Like, what else do you do? These guys, they invested like cash in their cow. guy. It's a cash cow, man. It they was invested insane. in their guy. So let's uh, let's backtrack a few years to the Shrug series, the finals <sighs> in 1992. 92, 92 finals. Yeah. So I was looking at a quick overview of this, uh, the playoffs. <laughs> Like the first couple rounds, they so slapped. they swept in the first round. Who they sweep? Uh, Miami. Five games. Three, three zero. Wow, three. Oh, sorry, like oh, three five game series. Yeah, three zero. Yeah. Michael average forty five ten and seven. My bad. With three steals. Sorry, bro. My bad. He shot. Where is it? Sixty one percent. So from he was the playing field. by himself. Like that's sixty one percent from the field. So then they go on to the second round. I believe they this is kind of semifinal. They beat the Knicks. That's a tough series. Uh, that was the seven game series. Yeah. And then they beat Cleveland in the so that one was the harder one then, the second round. The Knicks they matched up well with went them. Went to man. seven. Yeah. And uh, that one, Michael Jordan averaged th- thirty one six and four, and shooting a bit less forty eight percent this time. Oh wow. Yeah. And then he gets to the finals. Well, no, he doesn't because it's, we still got to look at the conference final. Oh, that was the Knicks series. That was the Knicks oh, series. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. that was the, the Cleveland series. No, no, no. The, the Cleveland series is where they won 4-2 more comfortably, 32-7-6. and six. So He only puts up numbers. Yeah. And uh, like 30 for him is, is pretty much like that's the lowest you can go. <laughs> that's the lowest you can go. And then they won this, the finals in six, 36-5-7. and seven. And this isn't a day where scoring 80 was a high-scoring game. Scoring 90 is a high-scoring game. So he's scoring like a third of the team's points. Yeah. Shooting better than 50%. And defending well. Like at a really, really high level. That's insane, not just well. bro. That's just nuts, man. He has, he has something to do with everything in the game. What I love most about 
I guess that that segment was mostly about the Blazers series. Is I love how much he took offense to like them comparing him to Clyde. Like he took that personally. He's like, yo, like I've never really seen anybody like yo. This guy, like he's not on my level. And I never seen someone like literally like openly say that. He's like, yo, yeah. like don't don't get this. This guy shouldn't guard me. Or this guy don't he's not on don't my compare us. don't compare us. We're not the same. Yeah. And he and what he does is he tells he tells Magic, I'm gonna give it to your boy tomorrow. Blah blah blah. Comes out five threes, thirty five points and a half. Like he took. Any challenge, he took anything that was said against him, anything that people could maybe like have an edge over him, and he destroyed it every single time. And it's like, bro, like, how do you have this kind of mindset to keep on doing that every single time? You, someone says something, shuts him up every single time, and he did that every single year, literally of his career. Yeah, and uh, that was, I believe, his second MVP season as well. Yep, he won the finals MVP, yep. season MVP, and a ring. Um, so I mean, it's it's crazy. He's never played in a finals game seven before. Mm-hmm. That to me is pretty fantastic. Uh, and then we move on to sort of, I guess this is where the NBA became a global phenomenon. Yeah, like where this is where it went worldwide in 1992 with the Dream Team. Mm-hmm. So this was the first time uh, the American, uh, I guess the American team had where it was able to allow. Was it just Americans? Sorry, or not was just it Americans, but I think it was everybody. International ball was not really that big in the NBA back then, so I just all grouped it all in. But yeah, it was the first time NBA players in general were allowed to be in the Olympics. Yeah, because Americans were doing a bad job apparently at that yeah, point. Yeah, they, they, they were trash. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're not going to put NBA players at the time, like who are you putting? But th- th- that's the thing. Like, who else is Basketball the other countries was not putting? That, that popular in '92 that you had like a strong G League, for example. No, they, they just put college players. Like MJ played when he was in college. They would, they would, yeah. they would play. They would get the amateurs, which was the college players. So, but I'm like, if you, okay, you don't have NBA players on the team USA. Who's but who's also playing on Team Mexico or like, not NBA players either? Like, I didn't no. think it'd be that bad, but they were a disappointment. But keep going. Yeah, they they were not doing too well, so they allowed uh, the team. And man, oh man. Man, oh man, what a roster, buddy! If anyone hasn't seen it, go watch that documentary. It's a whole yeah. separate documentary 30 on for 30. the Dream Team, and that has all like the behind the scenes, and they they go in depth about that pra- that infamous practice in Monte Carlo. So go watch it if you got. I mean, everyone has some. So the right roster: Charles Barkley, Whoa. Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, Chris Dang. Mullen, Clyde Drexler, Pat Ewing, Scottie Pippen, David Robinson, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Christian Leitner, John Stockton. I think that they're they're all Hall of Famers other than Christian Leitner. I'm not sure if Christian yeah. Leitner is one. Yeah, uh, maybe but he for didn't his get college because he had a he was a like a Duke legend. He was a Duke legend. He, w- so he, he was. Make the, I think he may have already. I love how I they kept know. one college kid. They did that. Like that Christian Leitner wasn't in the NBA yet. Yeah, he was coming into the NBA. I think for like a novelty, they kept one college kid. Can you imagine being a college kid? They just didn't want rolling. Isaiah. No, I mean they could find another star. I'm sure other than Isaiah, but. Um, which is, I guess, the next thing we're gonna get, we're gonna get into. MJ was pinned for that, a lot. Yeah. And apparently, it was that that I don't know that dude's name. He was the old coach of the Bulls or the old GM of the Bulls who drafted Michael, the guy with the the weird Rod Thorn. Yeah, with the with the weird lisp. Rod is it Rod Thorn? I think it's Rod Thorn. Called me. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. yeah, I I think he. I guess he's the one that that put up, put up the team. Put, I, put I can't together. remember to be honest, but he he's the one that called Jordan and was like, yo. You, what are you saying this summer? <laughs> you, I know you just want to chip, fam, but uh, you're this, trying to lace up this gold does We need it. And then Jordan's like, you, who's uh, who's all there, fam? Who's all who's all playing? <laughs> who's coming through? 
They're like, yo, everybody but IT. They told him. <laughs> everybody <laughs> but Isaiah Thomas. I say less. Send the send the jet my way. <laughs> and uh, next thing you know, there's a jet in his backyard, and he's on his way to Monte Carlo. Yeah, and then uh, Barcelona, Monte Carlo. I don't know what it is. I don't know. But basically, what they're trying to outline is that it wasn't MJ, and MJ was defending himself, saying it wasn't him that left him off the man, team. Man, I don't think it was just him, man. They said there was beef with Scotty, beef with but the, the whole Larry. team hated him, bro. Yeah, the whole team they didn't like him. You're a pest. He's, I know what kind of guy he is. I know what kind of guy he is. Same. He's a pest. To my real he's, he's that guy. He's that guy that's just like wants to put his nose in everything. And it's like, bro, like you can't play here. <laughs> like we've been friends from time. You just moved here. You know what I mean? It's, this guy's just trying to like. You know, he's like trying to talk to your girl, and you're like, bro, like, back off, man. And he's just, I'm in your face, I'm in your face. That's actually Isaiah Thomas on the court for me. Damn. That's how That's how I feel. Nobody likes you, fam. Not even your coach. Your coach doesn't claim you. That's what's best. The he's coach like, of Team USA is like, Chuck Daly. I know you coach this guy, and you have to go back to him, but we're not trying to have him on the team. He's like, uh, all right, say less. <laughs> Give for me those of you who later. know, Chuck Daly was the coach of the Pistons, which is IT's team. And he co- Chuck Daly coached Team USA. Yeah. And he didn't have him on the team either. Didn't select him. Didn't, uh, I mean, everybody knew IT was the guy at the time, like the point guard. And, I mean, if we're comparing him and John Stockton. Um, uh, I mean, I don't I don't know. Thomas had won two championships. John hadn't won. Hasn't John's a ledge. Yeah he, at the time, yeah, he hasn't won either. Um, it's tough. Yeah. I mean, but I'm sure – I'm sure it wasn't just MJ, and I'm sure Isaiah Thomas did get left off that team on purpose because it's it's blatant how his career and his accolades they line up. Yeah, and he had just won a ring three years before that, right? So he deserved to be on that team, but his relationships is what stopped him from being on the team, and that happens in real life in general. Like if you network and you network poorly, you're probably not going to get the job. But if you network well, you make friends with people, you, you don't burn bridges, you don't, you know, have hate towards anyone, no one has hate towards you, most likely you'll get this job, bro. You'll get this yeah. opportunity. It works the same way in sports, bro. Yeah. So the second game that they played in, uh, well, actually, the first they played Angola, they beat them by 50. Oh, okay. Or no, 60. Sorry, 70. <laughs> what was the score, bro? 116-48. So that's 62, 68. 68, brother. So they won by 70. They won by 70. They so, and I remember this in the documentary where the Angolan players were asking them for autographs. Yeah, yeah. And the one guy was asking Charles, and then Charles got in his face. <laughs> or somebody, like, dunked in his face they or were, something. They didn't like that at all. Like, no. the, But at the same time, like, these players had never seen these guys at no, the NBA. No, no. These are, there aren't NBA that's players. That's weird. Like, competing at the same level, and the guy across from you is asking your autograph. Like, Also getting 70, though. So yeah. Like, what else can you do at that so point? So the second game against Croatia, this is actually a very big game. because Love the story. Uh, so there was a guy by the name of Tony Kukoc, who's a Croatian player that they had brought in uh, to play for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. And obviously they talked about it a little bit in the documentary, but I don't think they really understood or outlined really like how Tony, how good Tony Kukoc was as a player. Uh, but pretty much Jerry Krause was high on this guy. Yeah. And this is around the time that Scotty's contract negotiations were rocky. He wanted to get paid, and money, he hadn't yeah. signed the contract. I don't think it was the more money, but I think this was before he signed the seven-year because this was. I think he wanted more money, though. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. He was trying to get paid. Yeah, they weren't trying to pay him, and they were like, "Yo, we're gonna bring in this guy. We're gonna pay him. He's, you know, he's good. We love him. All he's this. the future, Jerry Carson. He's the future of yeah, the Bulls. Exactly. 
so he comes in and uh he comes in it's 93 season is when he comes in yeah uh but before that in the olympics pippen was like i'm gonna guard this guy because i want to show kraus that this guy ain't bleep him and mj they both just hated, hated the him. fact that they didn't hate him personally they just hated the fact that kraus loved him and sometimes that's all you need, Bro, they right? they destroyed him. And it says, they say, like, Tony... Four points. They held him to four points. He had zero at half. Scotty was just shutting him down. Jordan was shutting him down. Full court, he everything. He had no idea what was coming. I felt so bad for the guy. I felt bad for the guy for sure. And, like, you see Tony Kukoc talking about it, like, now. Like, bro, I had no He's idea. Like, I had no man. idea what was going on. Like, they just attacked me, bro. I'm just which, a Croatian guy. Yeah. I just, like, go I go to practice. I go to my EuroLeague games. I kill and, it. And that was the first time he ever and met any of the Bulls. He got drafted, and that's his first in, like and interaction with the team. Too. Took a pay cut to play, right, in the to States. play in the states, right? So, I felt bad, but like a couple I, million dollars. I, <laughs> I love, I love how just MJ and Scott, even Scotty, they just didn't, they didn't, they needed the slightest thing to get motivated and to like turn it on, right? So it's amazing to see what they were able to do. But you know, Tony, I just you know, what can you do, man? It just sucks that Cross loves you. Yeah. To be the, the teacher's pet. But then pet. They, they ended up loving him anyways. I mean, he had a pretty great career. Sixth man of the year a bunch of times, I think. He played 22 seasons. What? Yeah. In the NBA? Yeah. 22? Uh, I might be miscounting here, but it looks like 22. Played from... Sorry. That's not possible. My fault. But VC just played 22, bro. My fault, <laughs> my fault, my fault. He actually played 11 plus 4, 15 seasons. In the NBA? Apparently, he played okay. seven seasons in Chicago, mm-hmm. four in Milwaukee, two Philly, two Atlanta. Okay, okay. Uh, so in his career, he's averaging twelve points a game. So I mean, he came off the bench. He, he was, was a, he was a bench guy. No, no, he was he good. Came in, he helped them win championships, and he won three, I believe, with them. Yes, so yeah. He won, if he came in '93, he won that one, and then he won the. But this was '93, '94, not '93. Oh, okay. So, then okay, okay. Yeah, so he won the three with them. He was yeah. a pivotal player. They love him. Six man uh, of the year. Wins, but yeah, Jerry Krause. So. It's interesting because there were quotes before uh, Kukoc came into the documentary who was saying he's like, I feel like Jerry Krause is misrepresented. I feel like we aren't, you know, he can't speak for himself or we're painting him in a negative light, all these things. And then we find out that Jerry Krause loved him and wanted to pay him and all this. I'm like, I kind of understand now why he was coming to his defense. Jerry Krause was probably treating him so well in comparison to the other guys and, and how they felt. And then just to give you guys a quick overview, of the um, the games, the scores they they won everything by like fifty, <laughs> and they met. They, well, they ended up meeting Croatia in the finals again, and t- Tony Kukoc had a way better game. Yeah, they won by forty. But I mean, at least Tony had a better <laughs> game, bro. They won by forty-two. Tony had a better game, and they actually ended up respecting Tony after that game. Even in the locker room, they said that kid is tough because he came out came out after being like literally like embarrassed and stripped of all his you know like his dignity in that first game against USA and he came back he played way better yeah he had 16 points and nine assists there you go see but Drazen Petrovic RIP the GOAT 24 points nice wow yeah so they had some stars on that team actually young Ku coach what a team bro what a team how do you feel about the about the Reebok logo being hidden I love it okay so for people who didn't watch don't know the team USA warm-ups or the tracksuits, whatever you want to call it, had a Reebok logo on it. And obviously we know Michael is associated with Nike. And Michael didn't want 
to show himself wearing that Reebok logo on a global stage. So he did the, one of the most genius things ever and covered it up with the USA flag. And that was that's a boss move, bro. That is a boss ass move, man. Yep. Like this guy is so can't, competitive. Can't stop me. He's so competitive to the point where he's like, not even the brand I rep is gonna lose. You know what I mean? Like everything that is associated with him, no chance he's gonna lose. And they said like it almost like it irked him for millions and billions of people to see him wearing a different brand. And that's just a, that's a, that's an obsession, bro. That's I mean we know his competitive spirit is one thing, but just learning about him more is it's mind blowing to me. So after they um they win that World Cup or World Cup, they World. win the the Olympics. They come back and then I guess no no no, they don't come back in this this episode. But they talk a little bit about something that you wanted to talk about is should athletes be expected to have a say on political issues or political mm. uh, daily, not daily, but just, you know, political affairs yeah. in society within culture, should they be expected because they have a platform to contribute? Yes or no? I mean, no. Like, I, I don't think they should be expected to contribute. I think they should be allowed to say their opinion, and that opinion shouldn't cost them anything. Whether you agree with that opinion, whether you don't agree with that opinion, because what people are doing is, especially in this case, you are essentially forcing MJ to endorse a dude who he doesn't know. He only know the only thing, the only reason why they want to in, him to endorse Gant is because they're both black, mm-hmm. and it does a lot for black culture, which I understand. Like, well, also the guy he was going up against is like was a racist. racist. Yeah, right. right. You know, th- I understand. There's a bunch of social issues at hand. And people believe that MJ should have been better at, you know, tackling those, I guess, social and those civil issues or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, MJ doesn't know what this Gantt dude, like, stands for. Right. Could MJ have put in effort to get to know Gantt and whatever? Sure. But, you know, if you're going to ask me to put my neck on the line for somebody I don't know who, okay, he'll win today. And, you know, it'll be a great movement for, for African-American rights and whatever. Tomorrow, he can have a, a drug scandal. And then, like, oh, MJ, MJ endorses dude. Yeah. Right? So, it can go either way. And then I, I think just because you expect a certain athlete to speak up on something, it doesn't mean that they should. And MJ says it perfectly fine, like perfectly nice in that documentary. He says, you know, I'm going to give you things to inspire you. If you get inspired, that's amazing. Like, I'll keep doing that for you. I love that. If not... Don't follow me. Follow somebody else. There's so many other athletes. There's so many other icons, musicians, whatever it may be that you can follow and you can agree with their political issues. Yeah, to be honest with you, I I don't. I think that obviously, if you have a platform and and all that, especially during that time with the cultural issues and the guy being racist and you know trying to get you know take that next step as yeah. a culture, I think in that case that he should have done a better job of being more a part of it in terms of just understanding who this guy is and actually giving him an endorsement just because of the, or how, how much everything weighed at the time and, mm. w- you know, what that meant for their society and their culture as well. And just American culture and American politics, having black people in, you know, positions in, in governments, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't something common. that was frequent at all. So something like that, I think from a cultural perspective, I understand why people were upset. I particularly understand it because he says, Republicans by Jordans too. 
And that then, was a bad. That is a very very that selfish sucked. thing to say. That sucked like, for him to say. I can't hey, defend that one. You know, endorses guy who's speaking out against this other guy who's racist. Yeah, but man, the racist also buys my shoes. Yeah, that was that was probably the biggest issue. Yeah, in you don't one. say that, Jordy. Yeah, sorry, Michael. Jordo, you don't say that, buddy. Yeah. So I, I understand the frustration around that. I think that he should speak, obviously, with that sort of platform if he's aware, and I think he should have done a better job of being aware. But obviously, if you don't know something, you're not going to comment, especially like right. you said, you know, a year later, a guy has a drug scandal, whatever. Who's the first person they go back to? MJ. Your name's online. So I, at the very least, he, did, he said he made a, a contribution. Yeah. He did support him in some way, which, I mean, you know, it's not going to please anybody, but at the very least, he did something. Um, but this, like, this is a this is an issue that every athlete has, and like, mm-hmm. you know, LeBron's had it, Kobe's had it, yeah, everybody who who's been a, a global figure has had it. And I think, you know, there's one half that says athletes shouldn't do anything and shouldn't say anything, but that same half get upset when those athletes don't speak up. So it's like, which one do you want, number one? Number two, their platform is very important to set an example, but you can't set an example if you don't know what you're talking about or what you are supporting, especially if you're not supporting it. The thing about, like, Muhammad Ali is he felt strongly about what he was supporting and what he was defending. MJ didn't have an interest in that right so to get him to endorse somebody is it's it's not going to be a genuine endorsement and that and then that's going to be the next thing oh does mg really support this guy even though he gave the endorsement you know so you can never be please everybody he says it the best way in my yeah opinion. yeah and then i guess uh they, they bring us back a little bit to the future right before the end of the episode where he's lacing up his own shoes i love that he laces up his own shoes is that just me like that's one of the things even my, my brother comes to me he's like yo MJ laces his own shoes. I was like, yeah. He's like, it just looks amazing because he's like, he's professional in his suit, looks like an executive, but then he's just lacing his own shoes like he's a player. Like it looks yeah. so sick. Their suit game is so funny. I love their suit game, bro. They it's look so like classic. Modern day Dwayne Casey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Twenty seventeen Dwayne Casey. Oh, with the long suits up to the back of his yeah, knees. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, that pretty much sums up episode five. Uh, there was a, a handful of things to talk about there, and we obviously don't want to talk for longer than the, the episode. episode runs for yeah so uh let's wrap it up here and then we'll come back with episode six a lot of more stuff to unpack there so we'll uh we'll come back at you later this week ladies and gentlemen you know where to find us and if you have any questions hit up our ig Peace.